Well, good morning and happy New Year's Eve. Sorry, there's a ridge and uh, my belly makes me push back just right on it, so it's going to be distracting, which is appropriate. <coughs> um, and you'll see why. Uh, I, I think it may have already been noted in the bulletin, but uh, if you don't have a place to go this evening for New Year's Eve, we are having a party here. We'd love to have you bring a two liter of soda of your favorite or tea or maybe a snack to eat if you're uh, able to play games, enjoy each other's company, and then we ring in the new year. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. As you saw, I've, I've titled our sermon text this morning, or the, the sermon is to be distracted. We'll be meet, reading primarily through Proverbs 4, which we just read through, verses 20 through 27, if you want to make your way there. Um, most of you may or may not know, but I am bivocational here at the church, which means that uh, my primary job is not here. Um, most of you probably don't know what it is that I actually do during the week. And in fact, most of my family members can't describe what it is that I do. And when they do, it's that they say something to the effect of it has something to do with numbers, which is uh, correct, just not the full, um, the full truth uh, or, or story, rather. Uh, the short of it is I help companies uh, find solutions and make decisions based off of recorded events. I'm an analyst. Um, take a look at things and try to help them make good decisions. Um, I've always kind of been that way. I just didn't really know it and that there was a name for it when I was a kid. My younger sister was in town for Christmas and she reminded me that when we would go out for Halloween, get our bags of candy, would come back, I would force her to sit down with me in the living room and we would dump out our candy. We would organize it by type, by brand, and by size. And then we would set up an eating plan of how we could maximize the most amount of candy for the most amount of time. And that I would follow that uh, eating plan. My sister uh, would maybe for a day and then realize he's not the boss of me. And she was kind of like Scrooge McDuck. You know, when he would, the cartoon, he'd jump into that pile of money. She'd just sort of dive into her bag and eat it as quickly as possible. I would go months. And I hear Adam did the same thing. Here, Adam. Oh, yes. That was a test. Someone was <laughs> Gets an A. <laughs> yes. Yeah, thank you. Equally distracted now. Yeah. A couple of months ago, uh, you know what's funny is that like when I was youth pastor, I used to do that often, not on purpose, just and and usually someone would go, hey, that's misspelled. Hey, that's so. I can't even say that was misspelled. That is way wrong. Yeah. Did I spell it right? Yeah. Okay. All right. 
psalm. Um, a couple months ago, I was, I was watching my daughters, Nora and Allison, play uh, outside, and, and as, as the analyst inside of me does, I started just, just looking at them, and I realized that they were not little girls anymore. Their faces had started to change that, that you know, kid look that they had was, was slowly kind of going away, fading away, and I was, I was like, you know, how much time do I actually have left with them as kids? What does, how much time have I already spent with them as kids? So I did the math. Nora is 12 years old, and at 18, she technically will be an adult. So 66.6 repeating of her childhood is already gone. Allison's 10. 55.5% repeating of her childhood is over. And to put it in perspective, for those of you who your kids are much younger, every four years, 22% of their childhood is over. One-fifth of their childhood. Every four years. Now that we're thoroughly depressed and distracted, <laughs> I was looking over and I was wondering how much of that time with them did I spend it distracted? How many of, of those days, those minutes, those hours, those seconds, was I worrying about something? Was I angry about something? Was I working? Was I giving time to my vices? Was I watching TV or playing on my phone? How much of the time that I spent with them was quality? Are they developing into good young women who fear God, who respect and love others, want to be good, productive members of society. We are a distracted people. And most of it comes in the form of a small electronic square device that we have either in our purse, our pants pocket, or our jacket. How many of you just checked to see if it was there? <laughs> How many are planning to uh, put in your grocery order to pick up after church? Or check your email or check a text that just buzzed? Or are you in so much of a habit of checking your phone that you don't even know that you pulled it out? You just do. It's second nature. When I was studying this week, I found a few photos that kind of uh, I thought was funny and I thought I would uh, you guys would appreciate. 1990 versus 2018. The old selfie stick. Okay. Yeah, for those of you who've ever seen the, uh, the movie Alien, distracted, okay. What's more important, being seen or doing the thing? That one was particularly funny. Uh, guys at 1% goes over, pulls the plug on himself, but his phone's plugged in. That one hurt. If you can't read that, I'll, I'll read it to you. Your cell phone has already replaced your watch, your camera, your calendar, and your alarm clock. Do not let it replace your family. Do you know that there is a clinical phobia about not having your phone? It's called nomophobia. I am not kidding. And it, it, it spells out to no mobile phone phobia. It is described as a psychological condition 
when people have a fear of being detached from their mobile phone, as described by the National Library of Medicine. In 2015, there was a study on the increased risks of being addicted to your mobile phone usage. The observers, um, where they, 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 in this particular study, they first mostly were interested in the physical observations of the people who were part of this study. They saw neck pains, uh, an increase in back pains, an increase in wrist pains, and there was a fatigue that was uh, being caused in the mind and in the eyes. Over 71% of the participants suffered from one or all of these things. The phone addiction in that study also affected their sleep, sleep habits because people were laying down, they were opening up their phone, and instead of falling asleep, they would stay awake for maybe an hour or more, so they got less sleep. Yeah, I, I promise, I'm not doing this on purpose. Lots of distractions. Um, everything okay? Did I do something? We're good? Hugs? Okay. They were more distracted when they laid down, they'd open up their phone and they would not go to sleep because they were looking at YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or Zillow or something, um, causing them to lose more sleep. And they found that, that part of those participants would, you know, as you get older, I have found, you wake up to have to go to the bathroom or what, for whatever reason, you wake up in the middle of the night. They were picking up their phones and yet distracting themselves from sleep even more. The study was updated in 2022 because they, it became more clear to these professionals that there was emotional and mental observations that they hadn't quite gone all the way through and, 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 and you know, documented. So they picked it back up in 2020 and they uh, made this one observation that I thought I would share with you guys. A three-year longitudinal study conducted among adolescents and adults found that using cell phones to be a significant predicator of depression in emerging young adults. Furthermore, the adults' excessive cell phone usage was associated with depressive mood, anxiety, and loneliness. Inter interestingly, users spending an excessive amount of time on a cell phone had a higher rate of stress levels. It was noted in the study that the problematic cell phone usage is associated with psychological distress, emotional dysregulation. Except excessive cell phone users were also found to be associated with obsessive compulsive disorder behaviors and symptoms related to attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, or ADHD. Immense use of cell phones and adverse attitude and feelings of anxiety can increase the risks of depression and anxiety. This thing that we can't leave the house without, this thing that we check more often than we check on our kids, this thing that, we, that brings us entertainment and escape and distraction is also the crack that would emotionally leave you homeless on the street. It keeps us distracted, not just from our own emotions, but it checks us out from our family, from our relationships, and most importantly, our relationship with God. Now, I'm not suggesting everyone pull out your phone, let's throw it in the baptistry, and set it on fire. I'm not. Look, I, I, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm bivocational. I work at a software company. It requires me to be connected daily through email, text, and for my Boomer customers, a phone call. I'm plugged in daily. And from the hours of 7.30 to 5.30, I'm on a computer, and I'm on my phone. So I get it. 
The phone is necessary. It has become necessary in our lives. It's also a source of distraction from everything that's in our day. And I felt led to bring up this point that if you're not careful with your phone, it will take the place of God in your heart. And for parents, if you're not careful, the phone will take the place of you in your kids' hearts. Distraction is not a new vi- excuse me. Distraction is not a new vice. And as we can see from our text today in Proverbs, not Psalms, 4 verses 23 through 27, Proverbs 4 is King Solomon, the son of King David, writing to his children and to his son. When we look at verses 20 through 27, Solomon references 11 different body parts while describing what we should be focusing on and how we should focus instead of being distracted. We are not merely able to just focus with our minds, but we should also be focusing with our ears, with our eyes, with our heart, with our flesh, with our feet, with our mouth and lips and eyelids. So again, let's read Proverbs 4, 20 through 27. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all of your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. When we step back and we look at verse 20 and observe it from Solomon's position and from the child's position, and specifically as a parent, 20 is as much about the child as it is about the parent. Solomon starts out by saying, be attentive to my words. Well, parents, you have to be saying something for our children to be attentive towards them, for them to incline their ear. We can't just be in the room with our kids. We have to be present with them. Being present means not distracted. You're not thinking about work or watching TV or on your phone. You're present. It's actively engaging with your kids. You are generally interested in them. Solomon's words to his kids weren't just idle talk, but wisdom and love. We are to be present. But not all of us are parents. However, all of us are children. And more importantly, we're all children to our Heavenly Father. God has more to say to us than we could ever be attentive to. We need to not be distracted from the words of our Heavenly Father. We are called to listen with our ears. Be attentive. Pay careful attention to His words. It's a choice. Many of us have selective hearing. When I'm focused, I can tune out pretty much anyone or anything except for smacking. I don't know what it is, but the sound of someone's tongue wrestling around in their mouth with their teeth scraping across the other teeth is just the worst sound. (laughs) But everything else, I can pretty much tune out. Instead of being interested or even forcing ourselves, we we should want to focus 
on the words of a sermon. We should want to be focused on a Bible study. Our selective listening causes us to be distracted. We choose to distract ourselves with things of the world. We need to be focused with our ears on the words of God. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. 21 deals with our sight and our heart. And it relates to seeking wisdom, not just listening for the word. What are things that we like to keep within our sight? Or we try to keep within our sight? Your purse, your wallet, your keys, TV remote, your kids, your phone. Here Solomon is encouraging us to keep wisdom in our sight. And where does all wisdom come from? Well, it comes from the word of God. I talked a little bit about this in my newsletter, and I'm not going to uh, read it to you, but, but I'm not one for resolutions. I think I've even said this in a, in a sermon or two. I'm, I'm not one for New Year's resolutions. However, I am a big proponent in change. I love to change things. And for change in your life, I think it's just about being disciplined. Make the choice. Don't wait for the new year. Do it now. Do it now. Why wait? Just make the change now. So maybe this year is a time to be intentional with what you do with your eyes, with what you watch. There are obvious things that we shouldn't be watching. Shows and movies that we shouldn't be watching. And there's plenty of trash from one end of the internet to the other that we shouldn't be watching. But that's not what we're talking about here. How are you distracted? Are you distracted by the mundane? If you have an iPhone, you can actually see how much time you're using with each app. You ever afraid to look at it? Like, oh man, <laughs> how much time have I spent looking at stuff? How much time do you spend seeking, looking at God's word versus seeking entertainment? Is it close? Solomon knows that the eyes are connected to the art, to the heart. We are, what we consume with our eyes, ultimately, will affect how our heart is. So if we're only consuming worldly things with our eyes, or predominantly worldly things with our eyes, our heart will be predominantly worldly. You need to have an honest conversation with you. My dad used to call it, it's time to look in the mirror. And be honest. Are there apps on your phone that have become a vice, that have become more important to you? than the word of God, than your family, than your relationships, than work? Are there movies and shows that are pushing you beyond your Christian morals and values? Don't be afraid to delete them. Don't be afraid. I promise your phone will still work. You'll find other things to do. Seek God's word so that it will fill you up with wisdom. For there are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. 22 references 20 and 21, and it comes with a reward. If you seek words of wisdom, if we seek God's words with our ears, paying attention, and if we seek God's words with our eyes, if what we look at, this will bring health to our flesh. Now, this is not a promise that if you read these verses, that it will just heal you from all your ailments. 
Uh, in my opening, I talked about the physical and the emotional problems that affected the participants in that mobile phone study, from back, neck, wrist pains, to mental, mental health, like anxiety, depression, and mood disorders. When we replace our focus on God with things of this earth, with worldly things, there comes worldly consequences, and they come in the form of health at times, with our physical and our mental Solomon is trying to guide his children here that when we prioritize seeking wisdom, the words of God are life to that person, protects that person, just as worldly vices have negative consequences to your life or the whole person. The words, words of life have positive consequences to the whole person. Only these words, only the words of, of God can there bring true life and health away from worldly consequences. The words of life are the only ways to salvation. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Solomon now focuses on how to protect our heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance, watchful, caution, awareness, when we're distracted, we sit back and we ask ourselves, or do we, we don't usually sit back and ask ourselves, well, how is this thing affecting me when we're distracted? Or what is the time commitment that I've spent on this thing? We're just running, seeking escape from reality, from that bit, or, or we, we rarely uh, have perspective as to what that distraction is doing to our hearts. Um, I know I've said this, I'm probably not going to be very popular, but I don't. I don't like TikTok at all. As a person who's in the software game, it's very dangerous. Sorry, children. It's very dangerous. I, I had a parent ask me, like, hey, what is this new app? I was like, sure. Hey, I'll, I'll look at it. Uh, I sat down on the, in the living room, and I downloaded it. And within about 15 minutes, I had to figure it out. Like, like, it was like youth pastor jokes, and then it found out some other things. Like, I'm a New England Patriots fan. I'm sorry. Um, but like there was all these things like it started figuring out about me and it, it figured out it was an incredible algorithm. So as a, as a person who enjoys math, like it's awesome. <laughs> but when I looked up from it and I was going to tell my wife, I was like, hey, I don't I like this thing is kind of where she go. And I looked at the time and I had started at six and all of a sudden it's like 1030. I'm like, holy cow, I've been sitting here <laughs> since six o'clock. It's 1030. Everyone's in bed. I didn't even know like it had sucked me in. So I immediately deleted it, and I told the parent, like, don't, don't download this. This, is, this, is, this thing is dangerous. It will suck you in. And, and that type of algorithm is in, it's in all of them. I'm not saying delete all of them, but you have to be careful. You have to be vigilant. You have to be asking yourself how much, and it's not just phones. It's, it's anything that you're doing. How much time commitment is this sucking away of my life? Why am I so distracted? Why do I feel the need to be so distracted? So who gives us the perspective to know that we're distracted? If you're so lucky, sometimes it comes from doing a little self-reflection. That's the um, looking in the mirror and going, hey, let's, let's work on this. It can come from parents making you aware. Or maybe it can come from friends who make it in a joke about you or 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 they're uh, generally bringing it up in concern. If you're married, a spouse will let you know. They will let you know. Are we, are we actively listening, or are we dismissive and careless about what gets into our hearts? We have to protect 
ourselves, specifically our hearts. Because distraction doesn't always come in the form of a phone or a football. Maybe it's a relationship that's not good for us. Maybe it's a group of friends that are slowly leading us down the wrong path. Maybe it's a habit that has now become an obsession. Close friends and parents and especially spouses have a front row seat to the decisions and more importantly the symptoms of our decisions. Are we listening? Are we watching? Are we protecting our heart? Consider this, if you are actively seeking to be distracted with whatever it is, you're trying to actively not engage in your issues, which means you're ignoring all the negative red flags. So when we ignore the people around us who are seeing those red flags of our decisions, we're intentionally choosing to not protect our heart. Solomon states that out of our heart flow the springs of life. But I like the way the King James uh, says it better. Uh, From out of it springs the issues of life. The condition of our heart springs out the issues of our life. Solomon was pretty much saying, who would you expect? You allowed crazy to come into your heart, which is why crazy is coming out of it. It's our own fault when we choose to distract ourselves and not protect, protect our heart. And using the image of a wellspring, it invokes the idea that when we put garbage into the source of our water in our heart, then it will corrupt, corrupt the rest of our body. Protect your heart with all vigilance, for out of it springs the issues of life. As we move on to 24 and 27 through 27, it gives us the symptoms and the considerations of how to remedy these symptoms of our heart that has some corruption in it. What comes out of your mouth? Are you content with what you have? Are you disciplined or undisciplined? Do you fall to temptation easily? 24, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Like we said earlier, if you put garbage into your heart, garbage will come out of your mouth. Solomon knew that this was a symptom of the heart overrun. It's easy for us to jump into just thinking that crooked speech or devious talk is, is cursing or dirty jokes. Uh, but what the words actually mean here and are war, uh, warning us about is a definition of manipulative speech and immoral speech. Even little white lies corrupt your heart. Do you use manipulative speech to get what you want? Do you manipulate the truth? Speak half-truths, maybe to avoid consequences. What's worse is if you've done it for years, you may not even know that you're doing it. It may have become habitual. You may be conditioned to speak a certain way. Put away crooked speech. 25 says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Are you content with what God has blessed you with? Are you satisfied by God's word? Or are you distracted with what other people have? Looking all around of you instead of straight before you. Sometimes we even look backwards at our old life and say, that was a better life. I had more fun. Being ungrateful with your life is a sign of a heart lacking God's words. A few months ago, I spoke about uh, contentment. I'm not going to re-preach that. Um, But I will say this. something that I said then. Trying to improve your life is not sinful. That, that is not what I'm saying. However, being in a state of constant ungratefulness for what you have is. 
If we're so distracted with the success and the blessings of the people around us that we can't see the blessings in front of us and the opportunity that God has for us, then we're never going to rise above these limitations. We're leaning on ourselves instead of focusing on God and serving Him. Solomon is telling us that we need to keep our eyes straight ahead and stop looking at others, but look upon God and His kingdom first. 26. Ponder the path of your feet, and then all of your ways will be sure. How many of you ponder? When was the last time you actually pondered? Just sat and really thought about something, focused on the decision that you made. Some of you, it may have been when you were a kid, when your parents sat you down and said, think about what you've done. I like to ponder. It also gets me in trouble, specifically with my wife, Laura. She doesn't really have to ponder about things very long. She comes to a conclusion pretty quickly, especially when we've had an argument. She already knows that I'm wrong, and she wants to talk about it. And, and I sometimes like to leave the room and think about it and figure out that there isn't any other conclusion that I messed up, and then I go back and apologize. But I want to get there on my own. I want to ponder about it. Whew. Distracted. But that's pondering after you've made a bad decision. What Solomon here is telling us, you should ponder about where you're going. Consider the consequences of your actions before you do the action. Where will they lead you? When we are distracted away from following God's path, we have no idea what path we're on. When was the last time you pondered, where are you going? What are you doing with your life? Is this what God has for you? Or are you just following what the world says is logical, or what you think is logical, or what you think is the correct path? The peace, there is peace on the path towards God and His will. There is assurance of spiritual fulfillment when we ponder our decisions in light of God's word and wisdom. 27. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. How do you deal with temptation? Are you easily tempted into things that you don't want to do? Are you easily distracted to the left or to the right? Being tempted and easily distracted with things is a symptom of a heart that is not protected by God's word. We've done a lot of talking about different types of distractions and temptations uh, this morning. And as with all generations, the, the youngest generation will, will deal with a different version of temptations. Your generation dealt with different things than your parents and than their grandparents and their parents. Uh, but, but the roots of those temptations haven't changed. Uh, humans still believe they know better than God. And instead of fleeing temptation like Joseph and Potiphar's wife, we allow these temptations to stick around in our lives. We allow them to, to, these distractions to stay in our living rooms. We allow these distractions to stay in our phones. We allow these distractions to stay in our children's lives, ultimately leading us to evil. Now, not all temptations look like a Batman villain in a van trying to give you candy. Some of these show up and they uh, don't really put a lot of emphasis on what they'll do to you. You see, my, my, my generation 
had an interesting experience with technology, specifically around how technology distracts, distracts us. I'm 40, so I, I, I watched uh, TVs get, get really big, and then I watched them get smaller, and then I watched them get big again. Um, same with cell phones. I watched a, a car phone, and then a bag phone, and then a brick phone, and then a tiny phone, and then a new phone every week or month. Um, we saw the internet come, and, and along with that came you know, personal home computers, and then laptops, and uh, all different shapes and sizes of laptops. And then came social media sites when I was in college, and my goodness, social media sites. I'll just, just pause there. And when I was in college, the, uh, the biggest technological distraction for us young men was an Xbox with Halo on it. And as a freshman, every guy on that floor played Halo. We played it for hours, embarrassingly the amount of hours that I played Halo. And now only four of us on that, on that floor, could, uh, their parents could afford a, an Xbox. And four people can play on, an X, on a console. So that was 16 of us. So 16 of us would play these eight on eight or, yeah, you get it. So there, we, we played a lot of, a lot of hours. Um, However, there was one particular guy uh, that stood alone, <laughs> and, and it wasn't me. Uh, his, his, we'll just call him Timmy. Timmy had a full ride to college. He was handed $80,000, um, and, and his tuition would go up. His scholarship would go up. His tuition went up. So, so he wasn't going to have to pay a dime for school. Uh, he, he was a certified genius. He had an eidetic, eidetic memory, which meant he, he did not forget really anything that he learned or read which was, you know, I was like, come on, God, why couldn't I get that in the mix? <laughs> but Timmy, uh, Timmy was pretty smart. Again, he was able to just remember, recall uh, anything. However, Timmy didn't make it past our first year. It wasn't because he didn't know the material. It wasn't because he wasn't smart. The dude never left his room. A group of us actually, like a group of us idiot, you know, 18, 19-year-old young men, Noticing that someone's making a worse decision than us. We're like, hey, uh, <laughs> hey, man, uh, we were worried about him. We went to him and said, hey, you need to start coming to class. Like, this is, this is not good. Um, but Timmy was so distracted and so immersed in his vice that he wouldn't listen to us. He couldn't see the eventual outcome that was going to happen because of his actions, which ended up he failed, he failed all his classes. He lost his scholarship, and he got kicked out. And he went back home to live with his parents, and we all kind of lost track of Timmy. The Xbox, the, the Halo, did not get him kicked out of school. It was his obsession. It was his lack of discipline. It was his inability to protect himself from his own decisions. It was his refusal to listen to good counsel from his friends, people who cared about him. Failed his classes lost $80,000 in scholarships, and he got kicked out. These distractions don't come at you with the promise of destruction. I'm going to ruin your life. No. They look fun. They look easy. They look benign in nature, neither good nor bad. Are you aware what is coming out of your mouth? Are you aware what you're allowing into your heart? Are you aware of the content that you're observing? Have you pondered the path that you're on? Have you taken time to ponder? Or are you consistently being distracted by temptations? You see, we all suffer from one of these things 
from time to time, maybe right, even right now. And maybe it's been a while since you've experienced freedom from a distraction. Now is the time to make a change. Seek, God's, uh, seek God first. Psalm 31.1 says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. And as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. O God, O God, earnestly, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. Make seeking God part of your routine. Be attentive to my words, as Solomon says, reading. We read his words. We will never know how distracted you truly are unless we're knowing where we're supposed to be going. Let me say that again because I think I messed it up. We will never know how distracted that we truly are unless we know where we're supposed to be going. And that can only be found in the words of God. Be content. Man, it's so easy for us to be ungrateful. So easy. With sickness, with money, with physical attributions. Man, I wanted to be six foot. That did not happen. (laughs) That did not happen. Let your eyes look directly forward. Instead of focusing on the things that we'd like to have, or be grateful. Be grateful for the blessings that the Lord has bestowed upon you. And last, be intentional. Ponder the path of your feet. Be intentional. Be intentional on where you're going. If it takes a New Year's resolution, then do that. Do that. If you're like me and you don't want to be told what to do, you want to ponder about it, make a change and do it now. Do it today. If you think you're good and you don't need any change, congratulations. You're the new Timmy. Benjamin Franklin summed it up quite nicely. If you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. Really consider this year and consider the path that you are on. What path is your spouse on? What path are your kids on? What path is your community group on? What path is your church on? Be intentional with all of those places. My prayer and hope for you this morning and for 2024 is that you will be less distracted, that our church will be less distracted. There are people out there who don't know who Jesus is. Candy Crush can wait. Facebook can wait. There are people who are suffering right now in this church. Our distractions can wait. The exercise that I told you about that I did with my kids, with how much time I had with them as kids, with you know, as as kids, I, I can't do with you all. Because none of us know how much time we have left on this earth. I don't know what percentage of your life is already spent. And neither do you. Because we're not assured tomorrow, but we are assured eternity with Christ. 
Every moment is precious. But that assurance only comes through the acceptance of Christ. If you don't know who he is, please come talk to me. Please come talk to Wade or David or someone at the end of your aisle. Talk to someone. Come know who he is. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your perfect words that that guide us, that expose us. We're thankful for your son who died on a cross and was rose again to save us, to give us an opportunity to, to love you, to know freedom. I pray, God, for each one of us here to not be distracted. You have a plan for all of us. You have blessings for all of us. You love all of us. And in this day and age, it's so easy to be distracted to seek out those distractions, I pray, Lord, that you will give us strength. Give us courage. Help us, Father, to make good plans to find freedom, which can only be found in you. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. As Pastor John has challenged us this morning, let's take a moment to ponder our path, to consider the way in which we are going. Stand, sing this song. If God is speaking to you, then take this moment to respond. Uh, come forward to the altar if you want to pray, if you want to speak with one of our pastors for here. So let's consider our way. Yeah.
sharing his heart. It's always unique. <laughs> and I want to thank Je Jesse for mentioning, hey, isn't that supposed to be Proverbs? That was awesome, man. <laughs> because I was looking at my phone and seeing the text that John texted me, and I was like, this is what I put in. Is it supposed to be Proverbs? And then we started reading it, and it was Proverbs, and it was awesome. Anyway, but thank you, brother. Uh, he was already scheduled to preach um, this Sunday, and it was great because, as you can hear, my voice is a little bit lower than normal. I was singing the bass line an octave down this this morning. So, um, but uh, so if I if I elbow bump you instead of giving you a hug or shaking your hand, I, I think I just have a sinus infection because it all hurts right here. But um, thank you for preaching to us this morning, sharing your heart. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to start something new, and I'll tell you about that in just a minute. If you want me to see it for just a moment, Kirsten Davis has come forward this morning. Come on up here, Kirsten. Uh, Kirsten has been uh, worshiping with us for about six months now. Um, her kids came to Bible school, and they loved it, and they kept coming back, and if you... Uh, don't know the connection. Kirsten Davis is Allison Davis's sister-in-law because uh, they're married to the brothers, uh, Matt and Wesley. And so, yes, we have a Matt and Kirsten and a Matt and Kirsten. Um, but Kirsten has come and she has expressed her desire to join our church. She grew up in church, but what she came to realize is that the church she grew up in really wasn't teaching what she wanted to be learning. And um, she had made a profession of faith in Christ many years ago uh, and now wants to come and join.
through baptism um, and become a part of, of this fellowship. Now, Kirsten, is there anything that you want to share, or are you content with me saying that? Okay. whatever he wanted to today that's always a blessing right it seems like John keeps getting the the rotation where it's whatever he wants and David has to preach what I tell him to which is terrible <laughs> well probably not it might be good to tell David what to preach but um, next Sunday we're going to be starting our new uh, series for our winter sessions and and the title of this new sermon series is uh, living by faith and focusing in on this idea of cultivating a deeper dependency upon God. And as always, we'll be starting our community groups. Uh, next Sunday, we'll be running from January 7th uh, through spring break. And so it's about a 10-week session here for our community groups. And as always, we will have a new recharge book. And you'll have, you have some information there on the back of your bulletin about the recharge book. Um, this is this what it's going to look like once we get them printed. This is a beautiful cover, but nothing's inside. Um, but it's all about living by faith. Our sermons are going to be focused on Hebrews chapters 10, 11, and 12. Uh, Brother Ron Simpson, Brother Tim Dabney are working on community group studies for us, and we're excited about that. But there is one additional thing that we're going to uh, ask you to do for this uh, this winter session because the recharge book is going to use a companion book which is this book right here it's called the line of faith uh, 40 days to deeper dependency this is written by brother Bill Eliff who is a pastor in Little Rock area and um, good friend I've gotten to know brother Bill over the the past several years and I've read many of his books this is a simple 40-day devotional that I'm going to encourage you to read four devotionals each week for the next 10 weeks. And then inside your recharge book, you'll have the opportunity to write. This is, this is what I think about today's devotional. Maybe you write down a, a highlight of something he said, or maybe it's your uh, 
you know, your perceptions of what he said, your reflections. And so this book, unfortunately, unlike my books, uh, the recharge books are always free, but we had to pay for these. And so the church was able to buy these at a $6 discounted price. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you can, um, to pick one of these up next Sunday. They're not available this week, but pick one up next Sunday. And if you can, put $6 in the offering plate. Just put faith book down there beside it. Brother Ron will know how to allocate that in the budget, no problem. If you cannot afford it, pick up a book and take it home anyway. Okay? We want everybody to have it. And I'm not going to be standing out there collecting money. This is an honor system. Now, Brother Ron, this may blow up in our faces, but you know what? It's only going to cost us about $300 if it does. And so that's all right. Um, so pick up a book. Pay to the church as you can. If you can't, don't worry about it. If you would like, you can pay the full retail price of $10 and pay for 60.6.6 repeating. John, it's two-thirds, man. 66.6 repeating. I know you're an analyst. But you can pay for two-thirds of somebody else's book if you'd like. Just give a $10 bill. That's fine, too. All right? But uh, this is an excellent book. I've already read it. Um, it's an excellent book, and it's the first of a series of books called the Graceful Truth Series. And so we're thinking about using this this January and maybe the next one next January and maybe the next one the following January, which that third book uh, is an amazing book, um, Prayer with No Intermission, uh, which if you think about that, that's a pretty cool, cool concept. So next week, we're getting started on this concept. If you want to read up, we'll be studying in Hebrews chapter 10 and working our way through the middle of 12 for this series. Well, that's all I have for today, I um, probably have taken too much time. We don't normally take this much time in our announcements, but I do want to thank you uh, for being here this morning. I hope you have a very safe New Year's Eve and have a, a great time. Uh, we want to invite you to come here to the church if you would like to join in our fellowship time. That starts at 7 o'clock. Bring something that you like to snack on that you're willing to share. All right, the willing to share part is important. Um, bring your favorite drink, whatever, but uh, that party will go at least until midnight-ish and then people will start dispersing. Uh, but we wanna invite you and be a part of that uh, if you can. Well, before we go, we're gonna stand in just a moment and be dismissed. I got a blast from the past this morning. Um, if you saw this family right over here that's visiting us, this is Bo and Daylene and their kids. Daylene was one of my kids at Palestine, Texas when I started pastoring there 28 and a half years ago. And I won't say how old she was. She was like three, right? Yeah, something like that. Um, but uh, we've been connected with them for a long time and they were on vacation. Can you believe people come to Rogers to go on vacation now? It's a pretty cool place to live. And so they were on vacation up here and up here in Branson. And so uh, Daylene, Bo, I want to thank you guys for coming. We appreciate it. And you're welcome for not having to sit through one of my sermons this morning. Brother John was great. So 
All right, well, let's stand together and we will be dismissed in prayer. Brother Stephen Fulford, would you dismiss us in prayer if I can give you this microphone, sir? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can come to church and worship you and praise your name. And we just pray we catch this message of distraction and move those distractions and focus more on you and others and things that are matter more in our homes. And just pray that uh, everyone can have a safe New Year's and a great start to the next year. And more focus on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
this work. 